0: Uh, on that Apple event yesterday, they really talked a lot about mobile gaming. And guys, I know what you're thinking. They've talked about mobile gaming in every one of these ever, and it's still just Angry Birds. But <laughs> listen, this is the one. This is the console. This is the future. Well,
1: they are. They have Resident Evil 4 Resident Evil Village on a phone, which is actually kind of shocking. I did not expect that.
0: <laughs> I played Resident Evil 4 on my Razer. It was called Resident Evil 4 Razor Edition. I remember that being
1: very scary. <laughs> and by Raider, right, you mean the scooter, right? You're talking about the scooter? No, no, no. It was a uh, a flip phone. Oh, I would yeah.
2: love to see Leon on a little scooter, though, scooting around. Yeah, man.
0: Well, it doesn't have enough pixels to show the scooter, so it looks like he's kind of wakeboarding with his
3: feet <laughs> on the ground through <laughs> the demons and whatever. Yeah, but yeah. it's
0: good. I'm playing it right now, actually. Y'all unlocked it like
3: right a now? forbidden memory yeah. for me. Do you oh, remember yeah? that I, I, I played the entirety of Resident Evil Village on Google Stadia?
1: Whoa. Whoa. That's weird. That's yeah. Nuts. Why'd you do that? Well, you didn't I play was the like, whole thing. You didn't do the yeah, whole thing. Yeah, I did. The entire like, thing. The baby it's like in parts. You saw everything Everything on I
3: did was on Google Stadia because I had to play it while I
1: was like staying yeah, in California traveling. for three weeks. Do you yeah. think it's cool that you're the only person that's ever finished a game on Stadia? Cool yeah i mean that's kind of that's kind of cool you're like kind the badass, badass.
3: person yeah. yeah it's kind of fucking cool i mean you should start telling more people it's an accomplishment for yeah, sure
1: that's that's like maybe lying.
3: You know, no i, th- I think it's more like uh, i saw oppenheimer. oppenheimer it's one of those things right where you're like i mean on one hand i did it
1: on the yeah. other hand oops yeah that's my favorite part of oppenheimer where he just goes whoops <laughs> What's then, it then, yeah. oh. And then they cut
3: to the Benny Hill music over the credits yeah. People said that was a weird mm-hmm. choice I said no that's classic Chris Hey
1: guys Nolan. What are you scooting
3: Justin McElroy and I know the best game of the week. My name is Griffin McElroy. I know the best game of the week. My name is Christopher Thomas Plant and I know the best game of the week. My name is Russ Rush and I know the best game of the week. Welcome to besties where we're talking about the latest and greatest
0: in home interactive entertainment. It's a video game club. Just by listening, you, my friend, are now a member. Today we are bringing a new electronic entertainment for your perusal. And we call this little number that we made Sea of Wait, Stars. Wait, we made it? Wait, what? We well we kind of consulted, Did I would we? say, in that we played it, and now we're going to tell them what we think, and if they want to change it, got it, got it. Oh, I <laughs> so see. That's kind of an informal. This is more of an informal consulta- consultation. We're like hit detection, or. High Karate or any of those other, like, consultation mm-hmm. firms. This is like a consultation, sort of. Okay, cool. Sort of. But, but what is it? What's Sea of Stars?
3: Sea of Stars is a kind of Super Nintendo-style RPG, really in the theme of Chrono Trigger. And it's also a prequel of sorts to uh The Messenger, which was a 2D NES, SNES-style uh, action game. Which, Ninja game. Uh, how do these what? two things connect? who knows (laughs) probably us yeah I don't know
0: uh hey listen we're gonna talk about that and all these connections and all the things that make this game fascinating and we're gonna do it right after
3: this y'all you already know how much I love our sponsor of the week Rocket Money they make it so easy to get your personal finances on track and especially stop worrying about all these subscriptions that you have that you don't necessarily need keep the ones you want Get rid of the rest. Here's how it works. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. They'll even try to get you a refund for the last couple months of wasted money and negotiate to lower your bills for you by up to 20%. All you have to do is take a picture of your bill, and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. That might sound too good to be true. I have tried it myself on multiple different monthly payments I have and it's worked, which is incredible and so much easier than getting on the phone with all these companies and trying to wrangle this yourself. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over $500 million in canceled subscriptions. So cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to RocketMoney.com slash besties. That's rocketmoney.com slash besties. Rocketmoney.com slash besties.
0: If memory served, when I heard the pitch of this game at the end of this last episode, I might have said nope. You did. I think you said i, think I said no about or last- Something along those yeah, lines. Yes. No Peruni, maybe skippery. Mm-hmm. I think I meant to think it, guys. This is why there's egg on my face. I meant to think it, but I think I said yeah, it yeah, yeah, out yeah. loud. Yeah. I've been getting into a lot of trouble with that lately, um, and now there is egg on my face because this game whips. Yeah,
3: this, this is. I'm so twist. glad to hear you say that, I, Justin. Yeah, Justin, were you a big Chrono Trigger person? Do you like um, any yeah, of these I games? Mean that, like, oh yeah, I mean, this was
0: like like we played these together, like Chrono Trigger, Secret of Mana, all these like we played. Uh, together. If memory serves, right? Griff, sure. Like this is yeah. you by yourself alone. I mean, you could barely think. At the, mm-hmm. you know, like you needed a Whoa. big brother at the at the tiller. Whoa. You know? Okay. The reading at the, reading at the wow. very least. Yeah. Um.
2: I mean, I wouldn't lump Secret of Mana in with the the, the rest of those just because it wasn't really a JRPG as much as it goes. was like a co-op action RPG. Um. But I I think I think Chrono Trigger is this game's kind of uh biggest inspiration. And that's interesting because Chrono Trigger is such a once in a lifetime, like uh, JRPG wonder project uh, that I feel like there's lots of people who don't care about Final Fantasy or Dragon Quest or any of the other like sort of big JRPG franchises who know and have strong feelings about Chrono Trigger. That's me. That's Russ Frustick that I'm describing. I guess
0: we should. Okay, listen. If you're an old person who knows what that game is, then that's your pitch. Okay. Then let's talk to the people who are maybe a little bit younger who maybe don't have the background with the with the with this game. What what is it?
1: Yeah, so it's a two D RPG wherein I mean I'm, I'm gonna, I guess talk plot now, but you're like a band of children and you've been raised in a school to make super children because there's a. There's two. How many children do you think it
0: takes
3: to make up a band, Russ?
1: Or a school. Eventually you think. Or a school.
0: Like there's two kids. So how many are like? No, no, no.
3: Let's like a pedantic here. There are two kids who were born on the, the sun and the moon solstice. And because of that, they have the power to eradicate evil, but they also have a friend who's not special. But knows how to cook. Yeah, great cook. The ju- the ju- the Justin <laughs>
0: <laughs> of the group. We can all. I think we all read a lot of Justin into Garl. Uh, he's kind of pointless. They let him be in the fights, even though he doesn't do much except throw pot lids at people, and uh, he cooks meals for people at fire. He kind of crushes,
2: to be yeah. honest. Like he he actually slaps. Yeah. He's, it's so funny because the the plot of the game is you have these two chosen heroes, and then their idiot friend Garl who comes along, whose very first order of business in the whole game is to immediately get stabbed in the <laughs> eye by a monster. Uh, the game is so lighthearted introduced.
1: before that happens, and then it's like, holy
2: shit. Real big, like, idiot Steven Universe useless vibes coming off this dude. And then you get your first fight with him. He's like, okay, let me see what I can do. And he just absolutely
0: annihilates, like, a fucking mummy with a, he, hey, a uh, he single he has, strike like, from a pot lid. I don't know about you guys. He has, like, 20 more hit points than my Solstice Warriors. Yeah. Like, he's, like, uh, he went the Batman route without powers. He's decided to perfect (laughs) his dick body. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So, I guess that's a... It's it's turn-based, though, is something you didn't mention. And I think that that's worth saying because... I feel like even with this style of game, like even with the structurally this style of game, I feel like you've seen a move away from turn-based. I mean, like even Final Fantasy, the sort of like flagship of the genre, has moved away from turn-based. Yeah, so sure. I thought that that was that was an interesting an interesting.
1: Pick. Yeah, so it's turn-based, but this is an important factor, and one of the reasons why this game and games like it. Uh, appeal to me is because there is an action element to the turn-based combat. So specifically when you're in the middle of combat, if you hit the button as you're attacking, you will do extra damage to whatever you're attacking. Or if you hit the button while you're being attacked, you'll defend better. So there's an It's ac- a Mario RPG. It's Mario RPG. So it's which, it's a Mario RPG. Which, which that's yeah. that's essentially the game that invented that idea as far as I'm aware, and it makes the combat much more engaging than, oh, I'm going to use this, you know, it's weak to acid, so I'm going to use an acid power, whatever it is. Yeah,
0: but the, I, can I say, though, that you've touched on what I think is actually the most interesting element about it, is that your enemies will, uh like, queue up attacks, yeah. like, big, bad attacks, and you'll see, like, icons, a set of icons next to the timer on that attack, Um, and those icons are tied to, like, elemental damage so like sun moon you'll see poison pop up later and you need to hit them with the type of damage in those symbols before the timer runs out and you can diffuse that attack you can like cancel that attack yeah out. so it really adds this layer of like um almost a little bit of a puzzle things mm. where you're like okay i have x number of turns and i need to do this kind of damage so i need to it's got another thing oh, this is added to that like a, a layer on that if you do a normal attack, which is normally the most boring thing you can do in a video game, in a in a turn-based uh, uh, game like this. If you do a normal attack, you create these, like, sparks that uh, you or the other characters can suck up to juice up your other attacks. Um, so that, like, it, it it adds this whole flow, I think, to the combat where you're, like, trying to decide, should I sit on my... Oh, you also recover MP by doing those attacks. So it's like... Should I sit on it? Should I wait? Should I hold off until I need to defuse another attack? It really keeps you, like, active and engaged uh, whenever you're fighting. I I never wanted to run for a fight because I found everyone kind of, like, engaging and stimulating like that.
3: And the little details just feel good. The, The sucking up those sparks, one, when you knock them out of people, it's a beautiful animation. And then the way that they kind of, like, zip together, and then you can pick... One, two, or three usages of sparks to really hammer an enemy with them. Mm-hmm. What, Frushik? Do you remember the word that Maddie Thor- Thorson used to use about like when you make the little details pop? It's like a Nintendo word.
1: Ludo narrative dissonance. No, 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 no. no. Ah, damn. I don't. I, I wish I
3: could remember this, but it 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 is this like this focusing on the small details will actually make a game sing. Um, that, that's often the thing that gets forgotten because, oh, know, the juice, of you're talking about the time.
1: juice that, that, uh, I learned that from, uh, Zach Gage actually.
3: Yeah. I think that, I don't think that was the same word that she used, but I think that is the same thing. Yeah.
0: Every time they
3: in, in introduce a
0: new, uh, mechanic, it just feels good. Yeah. It feels good and it looks good. There's a, you get a grappling hook fairly early um and when you use it it's not like a zip you like hit it it's hard to explain but like when you hit it there's like momentum to your leap it like pulls you forward and it just looks cool and
1: it feels good to do um and and, and everything yeah like that. what's amazing to me is how many rpgs are in this style where just moving around the world feels bad Like, feels slow, feels stiff, Mm -hmm. feels awkward, because I kind of get it. It's not necessarily the point. Like, the point is the combat, or the point is the story. And people kind of give that stuff short shrift. But in this game, just moving around the world feels smooth. Like, the idea of climbing down a ladder, slow, boring, but here they smartly have it, so you slide down a ladder, so you don't have to stare at it the whole time. It just feels very snappy and responsive which makes so much difference because you do spend a lot of this game just like wandering around environments, looking for chests, looking for guys to fight. So it should feel good. But like a lot of games just kind of skip it.
0: They also do something smart with like level design where it's almost a little bit like a, um, like how you would build a platformer where if you have a path somewhere, there's a point. Like there is something over there. Like the levels are fairly Uh, levels is like a weird but the areas are fairly like condensed Mm. right like you just have like when you go to a town there's not a hundred boring houses for you to go walk around and and are empty and there's one person like i hope my husband's home from his job at the soup factory soon whatever there's like if there's a place to go in there's probably a reason for you to go in it. there's something for you to do there there's like all kinds of hidden uh treasures throughout there's like little uh you have a a wind power that you can use in the overworld to like push things around um yeah there's a little golden sun stuff happening too of
2: like puzzle puzzles in the environments
0: what did you think about the story griff you said that was kind of a little bit slow to start yeah i
2: was about to go go there i um i don't from what i understand there is a point in the story and i have not reached it uh where things are sort of recontextualized in a way that makes all the pieces snap together and mm-hmm. i have not hit that point and i am waiting to hit that point because so far the story is doing nothing for me like i it is uh it it it, it is just sort of super uh overwritten kind of uh ca- characters who i don't really care about uh except for garl garl, garl is, is the great. best yeah garl's great but like this like we're the two zenith heroes of destiny of the of the eclipse, and we have to go here and stop the fleshmancers' spawn from like all that shit. Is as soon as I saw the word fleshmancer, which is in one of the first lines <laughs> of. Dialogue in the game. I was like,
0: yo oh." If you get turned off by the word "fleshmancer," your heart has gone hard. Griffin. That's <laughs> a cool thing to call a bad guy.
1: I, You're wrong. It about is that challenging bit. though, because Griffin is like super into like Xenoblade Chronicles three excelsior edition so it's difficult for me to
2: what you have just said could not be further from the truth um i've never really vibed with Z. oh Blade. sorry uh, does, but i do does. think Actually, of no one knows why they keep making of them.
1: the group you have more of tolerance. The three of us i've played stuff.
2: i've played so many fucking jrpgs yeah. right it's it is uh it, it is final fantasy is kind of its own thing because like those worlds are very uh vast and unique every time dragon quest is like basically just kitsch yeah from start to finish at this point and that is very charming and enjoyable to me i don't find much to be charming or particularly like uh unique about the about the world and characters and the the, the story here but again like I, I am giving this the caveat of saying like from what I understand there is a twist to this game yeah that makes that makes a lot of the plot work and I don't know if any of you have hit anything like that
3: but that, well, but, that is but, but, sort before of what we get I to I the twist part just one more thing on on this beginning I do agree that it is it's quite slow to to kind of get itself going I'd say the first three hours yeah is a not a grind because it's still quite cute the visuals are nice and it's fun to play like it's it fun to, cool play. to yeah, play yeah it, 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 it doesn't it's, very it's not a drag
1: was my impression of yes. it because i've played well, that, a lot of rpgs that start with and i've talked about it before the very special boy on his very special day climbing up the mountain to solve the thing because it's his special day and you do that yeah. for the first like three hours of this game y- yes but i i think i think it is
3: targeting a younger audience who might not be familiar with a lot of this stuff. But that that's not excuse to say that like, adults redundancy. can't enjoy it. Um, yeah, I, I, it, I, does, it, doesn't. it doesn't. I I mean, I think like a lot of YA books use tropes in a way that like adult books wouldn't because they're less familiar or they're more comfortable or easier to process. They're like mm. easier entry points. Yeah. I, I'm not I'm not like all at defending it. I, just, I think it is going for a very different thing in terms of its complexity and depth than... Baldur's Gate or even Starfield. Oh, sure. And I'm not. I really like. I really liked it. Like, I really
0: like the the writing. I really like the. First of all, it doesn't get in the way with a lot of it. Like, you are not watching these like 15 minute long cutscenes where people are having long conversations about like government. I hate. I I you know if if you're gonna do a story that's kind of like this, I'd rather it be bare bones simple. So, so I don't have to overthink it. I'm really enjoying the game part, and but there are like um, some moments of real insight. There's a great little bit uh, when they're uh, the the two Solstice Warriors are talking about the dumb uh, like heroic shit they used to say when they were ten, like coming up with like their oaths and their vows and like hard ass shit they were going to say when they were full Solstice Warriors. Um, there's a pirate in the game that has a uh, meta awareness of the fact that she is in a video mm-hmm. game uh, who talks about like a guy she knew that saved all of his uh, magic power for bosses. And he didn't end up getting his ass kicked by all these regular guys and everybody be begging him to use his magic, but he said he was saving it for the <laughs> boss. Stuff like that. There's like some fun little like cute meta stuff in there. I just, I, 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 I don't know. I thought the simplicity of it was kind of nice. Cause it wasn't asking you to, I, 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 I thought Final Fantasy handled it in a really smart way, but man alive, when people start throwing like 30 different factions and governments Mm. and different Mm -hmm. types of, I'd rather have a simple story that is not like getting in the way of stuff. And I have for whatever it's worth, I have sort of played past, I don't know. You'd think of it as like a first act, uh, perhaps of, of the game and um, have seen some of it recontextualized, but Yeah. yeah. Um, I really I I liked it. it. It did not bother me. I now I didn't seek out more conversations than I needed to have, uh but the ones that I was sort of like forced into for lack of a better word didn't didn't uh hit bad with me.
3: Did any of you notice connections between this and the messenger? I don't remember no,
2: the story I, of it. It's the- been st- it's been so long yeah. since I've played the Messenger that I I,
1: I, don't I remember there I've were ninjas that. and it jumped from eight bit to sixteen bit, but literally from a narrative standpoint, I couldn't tell you a single thing that happened in single that game. Thing. <laughs> yeah, I, I I had to look it up, and
3: as far as I can tell, it, there are some bosses that okay. somewhat overlap, and there are, other than that, it, it gets like into really small things. Like you can see time crystals in this state of being in both games. Um, which I think is actually kind of nice that it's not a like, direct sequel or you prequel. know what it kind of it reminds just... me of is
1: is Death's Door, which, if you remember, oh, yeah. Death's Door had a weird connection to a game they previously had called Titan Souls that was the, was the same developer. So it's kind of cool to like see people creating these universes that are like separate enough that you really do not need to know the previous game to make that connection but for people that like really loved it and obsessed over it like you have this bonus element to it at play I think that's really smart
3: yeah I agree it reminds me of um did y'all ever read Cloud Atlas no no
0: I'll watch the
2: movie yeah
3: I <laughs> think <laughs> it kind of counts the, the, the writer of Cloud Atlas David Mitchell all of his books do a lot of things like that he also wrote that new Matrix so you know Maybe, maybe that ties. So I that mean,
0: counts. so does the work of Brandon Sanderson. If we're gonna, if we're all having fun here. Do it. I mean, I think it's cool to see. Uh, or what's the other one I've been reading lately? Um, the Grishaverse Y'all are familiar this is a YA series. This is like Shadow and Bone and Six of Crows. Uh, I've heard of them, yeah, those they're like independent series that are sort of within the same. I mean, hell, Brandon Sanderson invented the Cosmere, which is a meta universe in which all universes of all his work takes <laughs> place. It's <is> pretty great. <laughs> Huh? Um, I don't know. I just, thought, and can I say also, I give games a hard time, um, uh, for like a retro inspired look a lot of the time, just because I feel like a lot of times it can feel a little bit lazy just cause you know, or, or, you know, financially motivated, right. Cause you got to draw a lot less, which I get. Um, but this is like so beautifully animated and there's like, a lot of bespoke
1: animations in this, which I for really sure, stood yeah, out to me. Sure. Like, I I think you're right in some circumstances where people take a shortcut where it's like, oh, they're attacking, but really they're just shaking left and right. And here, uh, really just very specific elements of like, whatever, girl cooking or something like that are animated mm-hmm. to the point where it will probably never be used again in the game or at least very lightly used in the game. And the fact that they're taking the time to like actually do that pixel work uh, really shows how much care they had for it.
2: Yep. Yeah. The way they handle... um. Consumables is great. Uh, You you go around the world, you're always sort of harvesting ingredients for cooking. Uh, And then whenever you're at like a campfire, which is like the save point and rest stop for uh, your adventure, you can cook up uh, recipes and you can only have 10 meals in your inventory at a time. Uh, And so you can't like overdo it. Mm -hmm. You can't like fill your, your backpack up with shit. Like you have to be pretty wise about... What you cook and what you have in store, and then like you feel compelled to use that stuff, uh, because you know it doesn't make sense to just have a full backpack of food uh, that you're not using. Yeah, and especially
0: when you got some food that's not as great.
1: Right, you could exactly. Make something
0: with like better stuff, so you might as well like use it because you're going to get more items as you go through. Yeah, it's super duper smart.
1: And the, and the consumables actually tie into the combat in a really interesting way where you'll be in a moment where it's like, oh shit, I need to do a blunt attack on this enemy, otherwise he's going to attack me. But I don't have enough, whatever, MP for this one character to do this blunt attack. So I have to use an item before that turn comes up. So like everything feels very integrated. Um, in, in a really, really smart way that I wish more RPGs gave that much thought into individual turns. And I feel like it's this game really does a, an amazing job at that.
0: Yeah, it's great. It's great. Great.
1: You should play it. That's we did it. it. <laughs> uh,
0: we're going we're to take a break and uh, we're going to talk about uh, more uh, great gaming content. Some of your emails, take a trip back in history. It's going to be great. Don't miss it. Everybody will make fun of you. get this new customer offer and get your new 3 month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month go to mintmobile.com/besties that's mintmobile.com/besties cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com/besties additional taxes fees and restrictions apply see Mint Mobile for details
1: this episode of the besties is sponsored by aura frames And right now, you can save on the perfect gift that keeps on giving by visiting AuraFrames.com. For a limited time, listeners can get $20 off their best-selling frame with code BESTIES. That's A-U-R-A frames.com, promo code BESTIES. Terms and conditions apply.
3: I had never heard...
0: Of Karatika? What? I had never How is that of. possible? I had, I had never, really? I had never heard of Karatika. I've heard of Prince of Persia. I've heard of uh what's the other Jordan Mechner one on the train? Last something?
3: Oh yeah,
0: the one that's like rotoscoped and almost like FMV. Choo Choo Boys Adventure in it's seems- yeah, choo boys that. I don't think it's Choo Choo. Bo- the Last Express. Um, that's a fantastic game. Uh, but I had never heard of Karatika.
1: Yeah, I remember seeing it on someone's like ancient computer when I was a little kid and then haven't seen it since essentially. But I knew it was impactful, but I never played it or anything like that. Uh, but I did know that it had this moment uh, of impact for the games industry. And, and uh, I guess now everyone kind of gets to experience it in a really cool way. Who has like,
0: checked this out, uh, the making of Karataka is what we're talking about here. I, I
3: not uh, have downloaded it and I wanted to hear what you thought.
0: Uh, so I was somebody who like has no um uh like I said no sort of familiarity with this and this though is the perfect package if you have mm. no familiarity with this because it is a digital eclipse uh product they have uh been making a lot of these like uh, historically minded releases I think you could you could say um Atari 50 if you didn't check that out was a sort of like museum collection piece where they had, like, interviews and some, uh, like, promotional images and a lot of, like, context for the games. Um, and this is that on focused on one game. So Karatika was, like, um, one of the first entries uh, or one of the first games from Jordan Mechner, who is the creator of Prince of Persia, um, and Last Express, as we've discussed. Um, and in addition...
1: Do like, you want to explain what the it, actual game is?
0: Yeah, it's like a side-scrolling, uh, very deliberate karate game, almost like Bushido Blade esque in the like way it approaches it. A lot of like countering with the right attacks or whatever. Really smoothly animated because it's it's like rotoscope. Especially so for the time, uh, for the time period, it's, it's very smoothly animated because it's all rotoscope, meaning it was filmed with real people and then he animated the frames over it. Um, and there's a, a more cinematic story than you would be used to in a game of this time period, right? Like you've got more like cutaways and and stuff like that that build the drama in ways that like a lot of games in this time period were not doing. What makes it so cool as a package is in addition to the actual like game, the original game – there's other versions of the game. There's a remade version of it that, like, looks a lot more modern. There's some betas of it, so you can play it in, like, early stages. But more than that, you see um, uh, the, the, like, letter, the diary entries that Jordan Mechner wrote about the idea for the game or, like, when he was working on it. You see uh, the video of his karate teacher doing the moves that he filmed Uh, in, in, uh, in preparation for the game, you see video of when they realized they didn't film the karate teacher running, there's video of Jordan Mechner's dad (laughs) who (laughs) also did all the music for the game. Um, you see video of Jordan Mechner's dad running in his mom's karate gi through the forest. So he had frames to animate like the, the running animations for the game. And there's all these conversations of him and his like modern conversations between him and his dad about like what the time period was like for him or like how he was uh, – how the game was made, how they worked on it together. Um, you even – they even do stuff like with the the rotoscoping, which is a big thing for Jordan Mechner games um, in this – in like early on like this uh, where you're filming and then animating over it. Uh it, there's like uh, individual museum pieces that you can look through as you sort of interact with this. And you can uh, move a slider back and forth that shows you the original video clip and then shows you the the sketches That's of so frames cool. of animation That's over awesome. it. So you can see how it was animated in. I mean anything that you could – pot, like all the video, all the promotional stuff, letters of like rejection – that he got about other games, like building up to this game. And it's all kind of game, like the, the whole experience is a kind of gamified. Like it marks when you check something out and like when you complete looking through something. Um And I, I just like from a historical perspective, it's invaluable. As somebody who like thinks a lot about like preservation and preserving these experiences and how many games are lost media at this point, um, it's so cool to see a game like this that really is like... I'm going to give myself a pass. I should have known about Karatika, but it is not like a big part of the conversation. You know, a lot of classics from this area have already been mined for their nostalgia and brought into the modern era with inferior remakes. Um, And this is not one of those. Uh, This is a a really uh, fascinating, um, just, just a fascinating thing. It's, it's, well worth checking out if you, if you it have
1: does it. sort of stress me out the idea that a he kept all this stuff or whoever held on to all this stuff like there's so many classic games that i would imagine a lot of the raw materials that are used in this are just lost forever like yeah. totally gone I, that's probably the vast majority of games that are ever made don't have journal entries and and whatever beta copies of beta earlier versions stuff like that um yeah it's really cool to see yeah what digital eclipse has done with these releases has been really impressive um but uh, yeah it kind of does stress me out i'd also like to see this is being being picky but like karateka came out before i was really like a sentient game player so even though Mm -hmm. i remember seeing it i wasn't really like plugged in you know i'm i'll be curious to see if this continues on to you know later eras where we're talking about like early to mid nineties when I was much more plugged in and what that means for those sorts of, uh, you know, preservation yeah. efforts. I, I feel like this is like a proof of concept for that. I mean, yeah, kind of
3: obviously, but it, it must've been so difficult to find anything other than a Jordan Mechner project because Jordan has been so good at archiving and preserving his own work. There's books that he's produced both on Prince of Persia and Karataka um, yeah. So they, they had a, a lot that they could dig up and actually make this with where I have to imagine most games don't have these sorts of materials, especially video, right? Like that. that's yeah. kind of what makes Karateka unique for that time is there's something to actually look at versus lines of code, right? They're also investing a lot of – I mean they're investing in this in terms of like
0: uh, – you also have a lot of interviews with like new – Interviews with people who were influenced by it or inspired by it, which is really cool. They got, um, like people like Chris Kohler that, Oh, they have uh, Kirk Hamilton does like a 15 minute long sort of mini version of his strong songs podcast about the amazing. Of, oh, that's great. Of Karataka. Like it's just an audio file. Right. But it's like, he goes through the, the song that his dad wrote and explains like why it hits so hard and, and why the music is so, is so good. and and you know uh, stuff you wouldn't notice otherwise it's it's like it's fascinating man it's like such a cool um such a cool product and i'm so glad that stuff like this is is being made
1: that's awesome
3: great video games you know it's just nice sometimes yeah, video games should we dig into reader mail
1: yeah let's do it
3: um i got a few here looking in the mailbag i see one from nicholas do y'all ever get that i want to play a game but i don't know what sort of feeling Like, you're opening a fridge to eat something, but the fridge is full of video games. Do you have any go-to in a situation like this?
1: Certainly happens on Steam, right? Like, everyone talks about their Steam backlog, and it can be extremely overwhelming to see that giant list. Uh, I think we're in a slightly different situation because we know that there's almost always like an assigned, quote, assigned game that we need to be playing. Mm -hmm. But there are moments, certainly, you know, in slower periods of the year when I run into this and... I don't know. It, it, it's either I'll go back and like finish a game that I was very close to beating but didn't or I'll just go to an old favorite like a Binding of Isaac or something like that that'll just like fill that time. Mm-hmm. But what about you guys?
0: I I uh I tend to this I'm not going to be I'm not trying to be on whatever, but um I tend to do something that's not play a game if I'm in that position. Like if I find myself like not specifically wanting to play something specific, then I'll try to push myself towards a hobby that, like, I'm not as, it, that is not as, like, uh, naturally inclined to. What I'm saying is when there is a game that I'm absorbed by, it is, like, full on, and those pop up frequently enough and sort of, like, consume all my free time that if I find myself with some without an immediate game demanding it, I'll probably try to, like, watch a movie or read a book or something like that because I know that something will come along that it will, like, fully uh, absorb all my time. But, yeah.
2: Um, I, yeah, I have a few, like Slay the Spire is one of these for me, uh, Into the Breach uh, is is one that I come back to a lot. Um, I, I I mean, we, we mentioned it earlier, but like, you know, all the Final Fantasy games are out on iOS, so, you know. They you know what? Like Actually, iOS is a
0: good example of this where I do run into this feeling on iOS where I'll be out and about and, like, I wish I was playing something on my phone. Like, I wish there was something that I was, like, really into on my phone right now because that has been a lot harder to come by, lately. Yeah,
3: I, I, I agree with you, Justin, about the default to other things if you're not being grabbed by a certain video game. But I definitely have this feeling whenever I travel. Like, if I have, like, a six- or seven-hour flight... Oh, and yeah. then you're on the plane and you open up the Steam Deck and you're like, well, I, I haven't really started anything. What do I do? And that—that that, I mean, that's going. Yeah. Spelunky or FTL. I like those sorts of games that I, I know I can just have a couple runs in. And then by the time yeah. I do that, usually I, I have settled in my brain on what I actually want to play for the rest of the trip. I
0: love I love those games where you've played them so much that there is no barrier to... Like there's no like relearning it. Like Slay the Spire is like that for me, right? I can pick up and play Slay the Spire whenever. I've played it so much that it is just like in there. Uh Vampire Survivors is another one like that where there's no it doesn't matter how long it's been. Like I just pop right
3: back in. There's there's there's
0: very little learning curve there.
3: Yeah. I got another question here from Spencer. We're back on that book talk. A really good model for integrating lots of reviews into an overall picture of how some media is being received is the book review website, bookmarks.reviews. And to be clear,
1: I think this question is in relation to—we had that conversation about reviews in general last week. That was sort of the impetus for this question that came in.
3: Yeah. Book reviews are not scored, so the website just classifies each review as either rave, positive, mixed, or pan. And you can quickly see the distribution of each and read a few of each type if you're inclined. I would love to see something similar for games. Rotten Tomatoes and Metacritic are, to me, a little silly, giving a hand, uh, kind of false, super precision to the question: Is it supposed to be any good or what? Um, I'm curious. It, d- and this d- is
0: the Polygon system, right? Kind of like it's more of a recommendation or not. Like it doesn't have as many degrees, I guess, as this. But that's the direction you all been heading in, right?
3: Yeah, definitely. And I, I'm, I, I have like mixed feelings about this because I use bookmarks you know to like find books but it's the first time i've seen this website by the way this is great it's great this is great it still creates a little bit of the problem especially if you don't read a ton where you just end up finding yourself looking for raves yeah um where it's like well i don't you know i maybe i'm gonna get a book in this month i better make it worth my while i should probably read something that's all rave um and That is an issue, but the fix that I found, which is really the fix I think all review things, is just find some critics. And what I found really helpful about this site uh, at a certain point was, oh, I could find a few different outlets or critics I would have just never found if not for this site, and then I can start following them. So it was kind of like a launchpad to finding critics rather than in a launchpad to, like, finding more books to read. Because they're, they're after, a, I don't know, maybe a year or two of using it, of actually just checking it for, hey, this is a rave, I ran into the problem that I'm sure a lot of people run into with us, which is what is a rave in book world that is awfully not enjoyable. Um, for like a lot of normal traditional people who are not just there to read like a lot the of words headiest. like
0: challenging or soul shaking. Yes,
3: yes. Uh, it's like it's you know 800 pages of misery. Could you believe it? Yeah. Um. And levels your fucking ass. Yeah. yeah. Rave. <laughs> Rave. Um. So I yeah I, I kind of quickly found that something more in the middle was often what I was looking for with my dullard brain. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think, I think it's still an infinitely better system than the Metacritic and Rotten Tomatoes models.
1: Uh, I think we have one more question.
3: Uh, yes, this one is from Mike. Based on other reviews, because I haven't finished it, it sounds like Starfield really shines when you get through the main quest line. I know y'all aren't excited about media that takes time to marinate, but I'd love to see if the meh reviews turn into an ah review when someone on the best besties finished the story. I, I would offer a, a, a pushback here. Yeah. As someone who loved uh, near and 13 Sentinels. I was going to say, have you fucking met us? Perfect. I think we, we are more the- than willing to put in the time with a shitty game until it gets good. Yeah, I, 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 think, I think it's more that if we just really do not enjoy the game, we will not force ourselves to go through it. And I think, um,
0: for
1: what it's worth, Justin, I did also, specifically call yeah, out. Yeah,
0: I would also say, uh, Doctor Fresh Dick and I would like <laughs> to offer our <laughs> counter analysis to this point, in that it's still uh,
1: pretty bad. Well, okay. <laughs> like pretty much really bad. So I, we, both Justin and I, beat the main story because that's what we kept hearing really? was that it was like yeah. a. We went back
0: where I because I I told Russ we had a very similar conversation that was and for me it was this is one of my favorite video game developers if I'm gonna say. That this is like, if I'm going to file this away in my head as like, this is one of these that I really do not enjoy, then I should at least like, then then I would like to be able to say, yes, I completed the whole thing and it is just not, it's not good. And that is a hundred percent the case. Yeah. It gets a little more interesting at the end. There's like, if you're already kind of enjoying it, I'd say there's stuff that like, it doesn't get like it gets kind of uh noticeably different i would say like hugely different um but there's some good stuff towards the end i would say like story-wise there's at least interesting yeah but it it it, no it does not the the things that are bad in that game are 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 still not enjoyable from i do want to say
3: thank you though to mike i think that's a good question and i think the point of like how it can seem like we don't let games marinate, to use that language, which I think is pretty spot on. It can feel like that because we play through so many games on this show that, yes, we, we often don't talk about them after we talk about them that week. But a lot of us are still playing them, I guess, kind of quietly <laughs> behind the scenes. Or, yeah, or we've just moved on because it just isn't for us. And at this point, I think we've developed a fine enough sense of when something is or isn't for us. Yeah,
0: uh, for sure. It's very rare that something like in the last third or whatever really like recontextualizes the stuff. I mean that for me, it's just a question of time, right? Like I know that this is a bit mechanical, but it's also our most valuable resource. Yeah, If it takes longer for me to start enjoying a game than it does to watch the entire first season of a television <laughs> show or to watch all the Hunger Games movies <laughs> or whatever then it's you know that's not how i want to spend my time I, I need i need a little bit more return on that investment
2: do you guys can you guys think off the top of your head of a
1: game that fits in this category a game that like totally changed our attitude because we had played for it for
2: you after a significant like for me the one i come back to is like the first game i can remember being part of this this argument, this conversation was uh, Final Fantasy 13, which is like such a slow, terrible start for the first like 15 hours. And then it gets, it finally kind of gets interesting after that. I know
1: people have said that about uh, Assassin's Creed Origins. I think Plant said that about Assassin's Creed Origins. Is that. Right plant?
3: Uh, yeah. I, well, I I actually like the beginning of that, but yeah, Assassin's Creed Origins starts on a very small island, and then it becomes this colossal game. But you have to get through that island.
1: I mean, the this isn't that slow of a start, and I don't know if it's the best example, but I do think Wind Waker jumps to my mind is like something that, even though I love the art style, it's very railroady early on, and then yeah. once it opens up, I was really way more into it. But yeah, it's very yes. rare because the loop. And that's really, I think, the biggest sticking point for Starfield for us is like that like thirty second, one minute loop that you're doing constantly is not very engaging to me, and that's what the game has to keep falling back on because it, that's what you're doing constantly. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's it's really hard to overcome that. I would say, like conceptually, I think the end and the like new game plus stuff, as Justin said, is interesting, but not interesting enough to save the whole experience for me.
0: Also, for whatever it's worth, I ended up spending about it took me about 22 hours. And I, and I did one of the like faction quest lines, the, the uh, like sheriff, you know, the what do you call it, free start for rangers or whatever. I did one of those and a uh, bunch of other side stuff, a lot of side stuff. Um, but yeah, it's, and I know people have done three times as long as that in their playthroughs and. copy with them you know i hope it's i hope it's good it works you're not on your deathbed like god damn i really played a lot of starfield huh oh well
3: (laughs) hey i gotta i gotta i gotta fact check myself uh i was talking about assassin's creed odyssey assassin's creed origins also has a very slow start that is in a standalone place but i just just want to let everyone know i know
0: use numbers
3: you know they're fine final
0: fantasy's fine i mean 16 like an honest
1: statement here and this applies to sea of stars as well it kind of boggles my mind that more games have not learned the final fantasy 7 lesson of start with some bomb ass shit like there have been start with bomb ass shit every time please like please like it you can to you can tutorialize like everything in your game with, like, fucking explosions and, and dope shit happening. It doesn't need to be you're going through a school or you're shooting rocks in a cave. It really doesn't. So just keep that in mind. If you're making a game, start with bomb-ass shit, and people will the be James more The James Bond excited. model. Always have an action
3: yes. sequence before the credits. Yeah, the I, fucking the, damn I level
1: say... in James Bond is awesome. It rules.
3: So. The, uh, I, last of too a game that I didn't really enjoy, I do enjoy the small town opening more in hindsight for that. Like, I, I think that works, but maybe that's just because it's, like, astonishing that they built damn town. And well, and you also have, like, all, the whole minutes.
1: riding the horse, and you're chasing uh, your friend, and it's snowy, and then there's some zombie show. Like, stuff happens in that intro. It's yeah, not, it's like, true. a glacial intro. Uh,
0: let, and, like, like, we all love the Zelda games, but let's not pretend that the first five hours of most of those isn't just watching that stupid little elf run around his hometown with a stick, <laughs> you know? <laughs> no, you're right. A lot of them are very like slow. Here. Link to yeah, the past is not
1: slow. It starts starts with a bang.
0: It, well, it's a it's a sexual scene in nature. You're right. There he does make love at the beginning mm-hmm. of that of that game. That's true, yep. Russ. Um, that's a very powerful moment. <laughs> very, very tasteful though. That bang.
1: Do we have some honorable uh, mentions?
0: Y'all
2: want to keep hearing me talk about Baldur's Gate three? Probably not. But it's still fucking great. Yes. How many
1: have y'all made it to Act Three uh, I just, just, just started act three. Uh-huh. Are you it, up in I, there, Juice? Oh yeah. plant you should tell tell me what i'm really
0: i i never do this i'm really i know the rules of the game right i'm not going to get lost on how to play that game i know 5e right like i'm not going to get that like confused about it so i really am taking it a little bit slow and like trying to enjoy as much of it as i can like really trying
3: not to to rush through
1: plant you should tell me what uh tell the people what you told me yesterday
3: no shame me that's what you want to do it's
1: just funny Fresh was like, hey, you really
3: need to play through Act 2 um, because Act 3 is going to be so cool. And you see it in Act 2 is just so interesting. And I was like, no worries, dude. Like, I'm like 25, 30 hours into this game. I'm like halfway through Act 2. And he's like, oh, yeah, what do you think? I'm like, oh, well, you know, I'm stuck in those mines. Um, oh, and he's like, pal. Yeah, that's so you're one. not in
2: act two you're just no made it to the, i've just
3: done okay. everything there is to do in act one um you're gonna be so powerful i yeah <laughs> no so i incredible i i'm doing great not much is a problem I'll for bet. me um i, I, bet I you
0: picked up every loose bit of detritus on the, on
3: I, I tried on the to. i tried to skip aunt ethel um but then in the mines I found some like mushrooms or whatever and I was like hey what's up I wonder if I can sniff those and then it teleported me to Aunt Ethel so I didn't <laughs> have to like fight she'll Aunt Ethel. You. Yeah she'll get you. <sighs> you know? Aunt
2: Ethel the nastiest character in games.
3: I, I obliterated Aunt her. Aunt if I, I don't know, like, if it's supposed to be a hard fight, but she got just wrecked. I had a really tough um, time with that
1: fight, but I, I also fought her much, much, much earlier than you did.
3: Yeah, that sounds like you did, the like, how the game is supposed to be played, not that you become Superman and then you go punch a hole through her throat.
0: <laughs> yeah, but that plant, you've also collected everything of value on the entire landscape. You're the dawn singer with his bag of incredible <laughs> gems. Oh, I have a gem for this. Hold on, let me dig around in here. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is an Ethel killing gem. Hold on. Let me toss it at you.
1: I wanted to call um, out a book that I've been enjoying. Okay, if you this show's getting brainy, I got to no, say, no, no, no. But it's about video games, so it's, with the book it's t- fine. It's about video games. The book is called Game Changers: The Video Game Revolution. It's essentially a giant coffee table book, like giant, like it's twenty pounds. This book, it's got three hundred pages, gorgeous, gorgeous art <laughs> of like amazing games throughout history. Great essays. It's actually opens with um, an essay from Simon Parkin and India block. And uh, it's just like, if you're looking for like an excellent, gorgeous coffee table book that has like amazing games throughout history and like really great art. Uh, it actually comes out uh, this week. So uh, it should be out when this episode is live. And uh, I definitely recommend it. Um, I also wanted to say I played more Fay farm, which is out fully. Now, did any of you guys dip into that one? I haven't played it yet. I keep seeing people talk about it.
2: It it's uh I would just to sort of I I don't know that I have much more to say than what I said when, you know, the preview embargo was up. It is very sort of mechanically solid with a lot of really great sort of quality of life improvements on this on the farming genre. I guess my, but my but more has,
1: specific question would be uh yeah. where does it what does it do better than Stardew? Like, what is a, like a a smoother process in Fae Farm or a cooler process in Fae Farm?
2: I, I would say it is uh it is more enjoyable to kind of just get around the world. Like yeah, the movement is very fluid. You can jump and hop around all over the damn place, and you get fast travel. Uh, you know, much easier. There's certain stuff like um, you have basically like uh your your tool auto selects. By uh, based on like the context of what it is you're doing, so if you run up to a tree, you just you your axe is out and ready to go. If you go to a plant that needs watering, your watering can is out. Yeah, that's and, smart. and ready to go. You're not having to like micromanage your inventory quite as much. Um, it, honestly, it just does a lot of the shit that Stardew does, right? It is that genre to a T, and but with the one sort of main deficiency being that the characters are paper thin. And just sort of Mm. these drones that repeat the same lines of dialogue over and over with no personality or anything to them, which is always like not the part of Stardew that I focused on. Like I never was focused on, you know, building long lasting friendships and really exploring the stories of everybody in the town. But this game has made me realize that that component does need to be like if you're going to invest in a world in the way that a farming game kind of asks you to, like that world needs to be worth. investing in and um i don't know Fay farm has a a real problem with it does all of the things that this that stardew does and this genre does but it does this one thing much much worse and if you are going to come for the king it feels like you have to come pretty correct um and so i i've uh i've had a hard time i was really looking forward to this one coming out fully um, but I'm having a hard time kind of really clicking with it because it just doesn't, uh, I don't know, without the, the world feeling, you know, vibrant and filled with characters who are exciting that I want to get to know. Like, it is it is not really uh, clicking with it. start- kind of me. The
1: Stardew Valley subreddit uh, is filled with people doing am I the asshole posts of their, like, relationships with the various characters, but not saying that it's the game. So it'll, like, come up in my home feed of Reddit and I'll be reading, and I'll be like, holy shit, this person is like a, an absolute monster. And then at the end, it'll be like, and we tr- turned our children into doves. I'll be like, oh, yeah, this is probably Stardew Valley.
2: <laughs> is that a thing that happens in Stardew?
1: Yeah. If you want to get rid of your kids, uh, you can turn them into doves. Yeah. Wow. There, there's a term for it that I'm not going to share on the... Um,
0: I wanted to recommend briefly a podcast. Mm. May I? Mm. Please. I suppose. It's called called Who's Chat on the Floor at My Wedding. Oh, yes. Did you listen to this, Oh, yes. Um, It is a true crime podcast um, hosted by a woman named Lauren Kilby, who has self-styled herself as a detective, who is helping her friends Karen and Helen, who got married in 2018 on a boat. Uh, And while they're being married, uh, after their wedding at the reception on the boat, it was discovered that someone had shit on the floor of the bathroom and it was discovered during the wedding and what and what follows in this podcast which is 13 episodes <laughs> wow. long is lauren and helen and karen interviewing ev- like everyone they could reach um doing like reenactments returning to see the crime Uh, bringing in like British naval officers to chase down a submarine based theory about the person who pooped at the wedding. These like uh, interrogations of their friends and fans, like their moms and stuff like that. Just interrogating people to try to get, and there's like false leads they're following. There's like um, people who are sending them like secret notes about who they think did it. There's like actual crimes that get committed connected to the whole thing. It is more, more over the, the overall mystery is like a little bit of a parody, right? Like obviously, but the, uh, the way they pursue it is so, so funny. I cannot think of the last time I laughed so hard at a podcast as I did at every episode, um, of, of this show. It's especially if you like this kind of podcast, like true crime podcast, uh, the Way they're like playing with the tropes, um, and uh, and stuff like that sounds it's like American just, Vandal in that, yeah, spirit. Um, but, it, but real, real, but real, yeah. yes, but real. Um, which makes it super charming. It's so funny. It came out in 2021. I think they're working on like a follow up
1: of some <laughs> sure. sort,
3: but uh, yeah. um, it's great, it's really, really good plant yeah I, I i have a book There uh frank lance who uh founded the nyu game center and also uh, co-created drop seven one of my favorite games of all time uh and also uh universal paperclips one of my other favorite games of all time has a new book out called the beauty of games and it's just a really smart and funny person writing about video games it's technically like a it's published from some university, but it does not read like academic at all. It reads like just a short, nice book of video game criticism. Um, and I think a lot of people would like it. And then also, The Faculty. It's on Criterion Channel. <laughs> wait, wait, Because the why movie? not? The movie The Faculty, they're doing um, high school horror this month. Oh. And The Faculty is on.
1: And I. John Stewart adore gets stabbed in the eye with a pencil in that movie, right? He, a pin um, full spoilers. of cocaine. Oh, sorry, my that's, mistake. Yeah, yeah.
3: Um, uh, it's it's just, just a great '90s movie. If if you want to watch something with John Stewart and Josh Hartnett and like ever like that whole crew of that era, you, you
1: got it right here. You could play it's Sea of Stars movie. and then watch The Faculty and have a whole night of eye stabbing moments.
0: <laughs> I, would, uh, I would. I would. I want to mention real quick that uh, because I just went to go get it, uh, the book that Plant mentioned. It looks like that's out October third. Uh, the Beauty of Games. Um, so you must have like a cool, he's a cool guy inside track. It was like a humble yeah. brag. Basically it was such a humble brag. He didn't even mention the part
3: where he got it early
0: or it oh, might I think you, to, you like went that. and got
3: a copy of it and then you already
1: had it. Early no, too. I went to
0: go buy it and it's like, you can't,
1: it's just, for this point. might be an early edition yeah, situation. True. We don't know. Oh, oh that is get, true. Is
0: someone drop it off on yep. your porch.
3: Yeah. That, that's my curse is I actually do get messages from the future, but it's, ex- it's, it's only books about video games. uh, it's it's unfortunate
1: okay I want to thank the following people for writing for uh, reviews for the besties on Apple podcasts we have Willis only NZ27 and AJP 23 what do we talk about really quick Chris Plant
3: (gasps) oh my gosh we talked about all sorts of stuff Uh, we're gonna have it in the newsletter besties.fan you can go find it there the games we talked about were sea of stars and the making of Karateka I, wow, I don't know why he said it like that.
0: You said it so weird.
3: Karatek. It, it,
0: it, wi- it scans weird, doesn't it? Like, I've, I've done what you, what you just did a lot there. It, the word scans weird. It's,
1: it's like karate.
3: Yes, I
0: know how to say it. Karatek. you look at
3: it, it looks it's like karate. Karatek. Karatek. Okay. And then a bunch of other stuff that you will find with links at besties.fan. Next week, we are talking about two big, 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 people are hyped about them games, the first is Lies of P, which is Pinocchio Dark Souls. And then the other one is Party Animals, which is the most wishlist game on Steam this year. Maybe in a few years. People are super excited about this game. And I can't wait to play them both.
0: Great. Um, that's going to be next week. Uh, be sure to join us again next week for the best news. Because shouldn't the world's best friends pick the world's best games? Bye!